1: Welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick Vinzant. Coming up in this episode, animals and acting. Sometimes they're very specific. You know, we want a Dalmatian. It has to be a Dalmatian. Sometimes they're
0: extremely vague. We just want a dog. A lot of the behaviors that we train a dog to do to work on set, they don't really have any purpose in the real world. Very, very, very uh, unique training that is required for an animal to work on set. 20 years ago, this was a completely different industry. Before there was computers, every animal was a a practical animal on set. There were tigers, there were elephants, there were bears.
1: I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, subscribe, leave us a rating or a review. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. If you're a new listener, welcome to the show. If you're a long-time listener, thank you so much for all of your support. So our first guest does something that I think is just endlessly fascinating. His job is to train animals to act. Not just dogs and cats, but exotic animals like snakes, rats, rabbits. What I think is really interesting, though, isn't just the unique training that animals have to have in order to work in Hollywood, but the business behind it and why producers pick certain animals. This is Hollywood animal agent, Joel Norton. How big of an industry is this? Are there a couple of people doing it, or is this a lot bigger than I would think?
0: I would say there's probably 20 animal rental companies that exist in America.
1: How does it kind of work? The studio comes to you, hey, we've got this, what do you got?
0: Yeah, exactly. The studio comes to us with a project. Uh, A lot of times they'll have a script or a board or a breakdown and they'll say, hey, look, there's a dog in this scene. Um, Here is the script. Here's what the dog needs to do. Um, And here's kind of what we're looking for. Um, Sometimes they're very specific. You know, we want a Dalmatian. It has to be a Dalmatian. It's for a a a firehouse, whatever. Sometimes they're extremely vague. We just want a dog and they don't give any other notes other than that. Here's the dogs that we have that fit the look that you want, whether it be that Dalmatian or a family dog or whatever the look is. And then we send that off to them. And then they make their decision based on that email. If they like the dogs and they like the numbers, um, then they book that dog and we take the dog on set and work it. And if they don't like any of the dogs, then then they move on and, and look at, for another company.
1: Is it a kind of like a casting process like an actor? I mean, are they actually like... Not...
0: Over pictures. It's all, it's all pictures and email. It's not the the days of like, we all show up in one area and they all look at it, but that, that doesn't exist really anymore. Um, Rarely will they still do a showing for a big project where they really want to get a feel for it. But that is exceedingly rare. I haven't done one personally in in over a decade. Um, Everything's just done on the web. You know, if they want to see more details, they'll say, Hey, can we get a quick video of of Fido? So we can kind of see how it works or can we see a, a project that's already done, a finished product, and I'll send them a YouTube clip and that's it.
1: Why did it kind of get like that? Was it just because like, there's so many animals involved now that like, we just gotta, we gotta oh, turn this out.
0: No, no, it's just convenience. It's it, it, it costs money and time and energy to load up dogs from, from all the different companies and wherever they're located and drive to a central location and, and do that. And we would charge for that. It, it costs money for us to, to drive and to load up animals and everything else. And so as soon as email became a common thing, that was going to start fading itself out almost immediately. Act, even actors, I think, do a lot of self-tapes now where they record themselves and send it in. They, they don't go to a room when they have a little camera there. So everything has changed with technology.
1: Is now like for most of the projects? Are we talking about like, hey, we're shooting a commercial for blah, blah, blah? Or are we talking yeah. about, like, it's a new movie, like Airbud or something like yeah.
0: that? Yeah, it's it's all done the same. I really, uh, you know, if it is a big, big thing with Airbud and they really care about, you know, actor chemistry or something like that, those are the times that, yeah, we might, we'll still narrow, they'll, we'll still originally send, you know, the pictures and the videos and all those other things. And then they'll make their, you know, maybe final two. And then from there, they will, okay, we'll, we'll actually see these dogs in person and get a feel for which one we like best or whatever. And someone will make that decision. But honestly, even for big projects, big TV shows, big movies, it's all done over the
1: web, over the internet. What are they generally kind of looking for?
0: That's a good question. I, I don't know. Oftentimes I don't know exactly what they're looking for. I don't even think they know a lot of times what they're looking for. They just know they want a dog in the scene. Um, and they have an idea of a look, you know, if it's, if it's a family scene and it's a you know vacuum commercial or whatever then they'll obviously want a dog with longer fur or if it's a dog that's just blending in with a family they're gonna pick what most people would think of as a family looking dog so you know when you see a German Shepherd you don't think of a family dog you think of a police dog when you see you know whatever you know that that is kind of what their main objective is is to fill whatever look that they want but as far as you know all the dogs Come trained, all that kind of stuff. So it really just, whatever that particular director, producer, art department, whatever they want, is what they, uh, you know. I, I've had dogs hired because the director had that breed when he was a kid, and he just wanted to see it again in person on set, and that was the sole reason that that breed was picked.
1: I guess I thought it would be more complicated than that. I thought that there would be somebody yeah. like, no, 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 this golden retriever's coat isn't quite what you, we really wanted. Can you get us a right? No, that I mean, the, do those th- do those times exist?
0: Sure, you know, there's always. But again, ninety nine percent of the time, it, it is it is not that complicated. Honestly, over ninety five percent of the time, a single picture is all that they they go off of. A single picture. I mean, I'm attaching twenty five pictures to an email, but from there, they will nail it down to the dog that they want based on a picture.
1: How does the kind of the the business side of it necessarily work. I know you guys are a rental company. Do you own, who owns the dogs? So or the that's in great question. In most cases?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So our company is, is unique. Our company, Hollywood Paws is, is sort of one of a kind in that the vast majority of our working dogs, the dogs that we take on set, they are owned by people, they're private party dogs. Um, the other studio rental companies, they all own their own animals. So they have large ranches and kennels and places that, you know, in the high desert and stuff. And all those animals are housed and owned by them, and they will take the animals out on set and work them. But our company uh, does things a little bit differently we We keep the dogs with the pet owners um, sometimes we 're called a green agency for that for that reason, um, but you know it just means that the dogs stay with an owner and then we pick them up from the owner, we take the dog on set, and then the owner gets the money rather than the money staying within the company. Um, what we are sort of responsible for is making sure that that pet owner keeps up the very, 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 uh, unique training that is required for an animal to work on set.
1: How, okay. So a company that operates in a different way when they own it, like they'll own yeah. five, do- five animals or how many animals oh, do they yeah. own?
0: Uh, a lot, a lot more than, a lot more than five. Um, you know, the, you, because you have to have variety. You have to have the goal for sort of every rental company is to have like one of every look. And so I would say an average of that is like maybe 15 to 20 minimum dogs. You know, we never know what job calls are going to come in tomorrow. We never know what looks are going to be requested. So a company wants to have a couple small dogs, a couple medium sized dogs, a couple big dogs. They want to have a bunch of family dogs. They want to have some more aggressive looking dogs. If they get, you know, dogs supposed to guard a junkyard, you got to have a Rottweiler, you know, you want to have a variety. Otherwise you're not going to book anything.
1: You talked a little bit about like the training aspect of it. Mm-hmm. What kind of training would a, an animal that's going to work in Hollywood
0: need? That's probably the most unique thing that, that people don't understand um, is studio work has a, a, a set of very unique challenges. So um, the easiest thing to compare it to is, is agility. Most people are familiar with agility. They've seen the dogs do the weave poles and the tear totters and all those obstacles. Um, a lot of the behaviors that we train a dog to do to work on set, they don't really have any purpose in the real world. So not many people know how to train them and, and don't train them because it's, it's sort of pointless. The same way that teaching your dog weave poles, if you're not going to compete in agility, nobody teaches their dog how to do weave poles because what's the point? Um, we train, there's like 30 behaviors, I would say that are required, um, for us to be able to call a dog, a studio dog. There's, you know, all these different types of marks. There's like four different marks, a general mark, a come mark, a go mark. There's these things called aim sticks, you know, back up and feed up some more common things that people are familiar with on your side and head up and head down. Um, and then things that most people would never even have heard of like a work away or a go to and a go with or an aim stick. Um, And those are all behaviors that aren't necessarily that hard or complicated to teach, although some of them can be, um, but they are just very unique. And their their sole purpose is to overcome the challenges that we face on set. Um, We face a lot of challenges on set as far as having to work from really far away. Um, You know, obviously, we as the trainer, we can't be in the shot. The dog is way in the middle of the scene. And most people don't train their dogs like that. Most people don't put their dog in a position, move 20 feet away, and then start to train. But that's what we do because we can't be in the shot. So the dog has to get used to not creeping forward and staying in one spot. Um, if the uh, production is running sound, let's say, you know, and the actor is talking, I can't be in the thing going, speak, sit, stay, good, stay, while the actor is talking. You know, I have to make the dog do everything silently. Otherwise, my dialogue is going to step all over the actor's dialogue. So we teach our dogs to do everything just on hand signals. Um, a lot of times the dog can't see us on set. So the line of sight isn't very clear. So we teach dogs to uh, to do what's called a workaway, where they look at something else. Uh, they look at the actor. They look at a prop. They look at a green screen. But they are still listening to us, even though the dog can't see us but there's all of these behaviors that we teach that are they're all geared to overcome again the challenges that we face on set because there there's a lot of them you know on set is long days repetitive actions they'll do the same scene 20 times and the dog has to do it the exact same way on take 1 as on take 20 otherwise it's not it's not
1: going to match that is interesting right because i think like i have a dog and i've taught it how to sure. sit and how to roll over yep. but if i'm not within like a foot of her she's not doing it
0: right yeah exactly and because you haven't practiced and you haven't trained that and you haven't made that a priority and that's that's most pet dogs and so that's where like i was saying earlier our challenge comes in is because we work with pet dogs we work with dogs that are owned by people like yourself but the challenge is 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 what we do and what the the owners that choose to do this do is they have to keep up on that training they have to put in the work Uh, a studio dog is 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 really hired for its training ability. It can be the best looking dog and it can match the dog they have in the script and all this other stuff. But if it can't do what's required on set, it's not going to work.
1: Have you seen instances where like, man, we hired this dog and it's just, oh, we got to, it's Um, not working.
0: Every, oh, rarely, yes. And it's one of those things where I have been hired. They they originally like, I hear about it when I'm hired to do reshoots because you know some producer is like, well, I've got a dog, or you know someone, I've got a dog, we'll save money. I don't wanna pay thousands of dollars to have a professional dog here, my dog can sit. And then, so they try it with their own dog or whatever the case, and the dog just can't do it. You know, it, the dog literally just completely bombs and doesn't do it, and then they have to turn around, and I mean, it costs them, I can't even imagine how much it costs to do it, but then they learn their lesson the hard way, and then never again will they ever not hire a professional one
1: how much money are we generally talking about? And obviously I know it depends on the project, but like in terms of, right. okay, the animal is going to get paid this much for like a commercial, major movie, small movie.
0: Sure. So, uh, right, right there. That's another real common misconception is the price is the same, whether it's a commercial or a feature film or a student film, none of the prices doesn't, don't, don't, change. Prices are all the same. So nobody, no one makes any more back. A lot of times, uh, if there's a buyout or something like that, like we agree to, we agree to hire your dog for the whole season, the price goes down, not up. Um, but the, uh, to answer your question, um, dog rental is about 500 bucks a day. And they're rented on a 24 hour period. Uh, trainers, uh, we have, you know, union rates and things like that that we go out on. Um, and then we have transportation fees. Um, any job that is unique or, or special or something like that, we oftentimes will charge prep fees. Um, so it can range from 1500 bucks a day for a real, you know, basic, simple shoot. What if there's multiple trainers on set, you know, the dog has to be released from a room and enter another room and then look up in the corner. That takes two trainers, one to release the dog, one to pull the eye contact to make it look like they're looking up in the corner at an actor or whatever it is. And now your price goes up because now you have two trainers. Um, so all these little factors will, will affect the price. But I would say, like a baseline minimum, doesn't get really cheaper. than it's
1: around fifteen hundred bucks for the day. Yeah, well, it it doesn't depend on like if this is the next James Cameron or if this is a commercial for Bob's nope. used cars.
0: Absolutely. Nope, it does not. But well, one because we we have a, we're a union. Animal trainers are in union, so that our our rate doesn't really go up or down very much because that so that's set. That. Transportation is based on mileage and gas prices, so that's set. That. And dog rental is sort of that by the industry.
1: That makes sense, right? And ultimately, you and, make your money by days booked, not necessarily. Good,
0: exactly, exactly. And the other thing is that, you know, there's a lot of dogs out there. Uh, I mean, there's, there's kind of a, um, I'm doubt it's a famous story, but uh, a lot of people know the dog that was in Modern Family, it, it was a different dog. They switched dogs halfway through the series. You, know, you, can, you can Google it, have, have fun with that. But yeah, it's a different dog because dogs are replaceable. You didn't notice, and it's a completely different dog. So if I was to again have this dog and say, oh, my golden retriever has a prettier coat, it's going to cost you five thousand a day. They'll just find another golden retriever.
1: How much will like okay, so like let's say a dog that's making, like it's working regularly. Uh, that dog would be in how many things a, a year? That there
0: boy, that totally varies. It it de- it totally depends on the dog. I, we have dogs that work one day a year, and we have dogs that work once a month minimum. And that's why you want to have a variety. We don't have one superhero dog that, you know, because no, watch TV. You don't see a golden retriever in three out of five commercials. You just see dogs. You know, there's a huge variety of, of the dogs. So none of them are, are quote unquote, superstars or, you know, crazy, you know, insane, you know, this is our moneymaker because you, that's not how productions work. In fact, if a dog becomes too famous, they're not going to choose it. They won't want a dog that you recognize from another commercial because you'll be thinking about that other commercial.
1: Oh, that's true, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. So, how did yep. you find yeah. yourself in
0: this? So, I—that's another question. Uh, I went to—I uh, studied uh, uh, animal science in, in regular four-year college, and then I went to a, a school called Eden, which stands for Exotic Animal Training and Management. Um, that's a two-year school that. Uh, kids go to, adults go to, um, that teaches you how to work with animals in the animal industry. So it, it's everything from zookeeping to sea world. I mean, any, it, literally almost anything in the animal field that school prepares you for, because it gives you ha- two years of hands-on experience, which is what people really want. Uh, a four-year degree uh, was great, but I had zero experience and nobody wanted to hire me. So, And um, I was a hand out of my class of about 50 kids. Um, a handful of us went on to do studio work, because some people really like training. Um, training, is, it can be fun, uh, but it can be challenging. And some people absolutely do not like to be trainers. And if you love animals but don't want to train, a lot of times you'll go to a zoo or to a rescue or to a rehab or do outreach, where you don't really have to train very much. You're just caring for and working with the animals. Um, but I really enjoyed training. Uh, when I was doing it, I, 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 I just found I love the challenge. I got great uh, uh, feeling after knowing that this, seeing an animal, and I, and I trained rats and birds and all kinds of different animals. I didn't train any dogs, believe it or not, when I was in school. Uh, but there was something very satisfying about taking an animal that couldn't do anything, right? It was just an animal. And after I put in time and energy, all of a sudden I had an animal that was able to do things because of me. And that was a great feeling. I really enjoyed that.
1: Are they, is it a pretty competitive industry in the sense that like, man, you're one of, if you're applying for a new trainer job, you're one of a, how many people going for this? Or it's like, boy, we can't find people.
0: Yeah, um, I you know I I don't know exactly what the industry is like right now. I I don't I know it is it's fairly competitive because this is an industry that that can be um, pretty financially rewarding. Um, a lot of animal stuff tends to be pretty low pay. Um, so, zookeeping, animal care, they tend to not pay very much because uh, so many people want to do the job. However, I think the industry as a whole can only support so much. Uh, There's only so many productions that have animals in them. And so that really limits the amount of trainers that can be hired by companies and work at any given time. Um, Especially, you know, 20 years ago, this was a completely different industry. Before there was computers, every animal was a a practical animal on set. There were tigers, there were elephants, there were bears, there were things. And now, aside from dogs, almost all exotics, are computer generated in some way because you just have so it's a lot cheaper and you have a tremendous more amount of flexibility in what you can do
1: yeah that i mean that makes especially with some exotic animals like quite frankly i don't want a tiger (laughs) right like let's cgi that right
0: i mean and that's the way it's gone And, and cgi has gotten so good now um that i i can bear i can tell i can tell as a trainer most of the time, just by the action, because I'll know there's no way that a, a real animal would have done that or that they would allow a real animal to do that thing. Um, so what they'll do a lot now, too, is instead of hiring an exotic for the entire production, they'll hire the exotic and do like some, some in-studio green screen work and some motion capture work. And then they'll translate that and, you know, turn it into a whole film.
1: Do you guys work a lot with exa- exotic animals or is no. it more dogs, cats? No. Our company,
0: our company, Hollywood Paws, we only do domestic animals. Just domestic. So no exotics. Uh, our, our bread and butter is just dogs. We don't do cats. Um, we do small animals and some other stuff as those jobs come up. Um, rabbits and birds and some stuff like that. But our, our bread and butter by far is dogs. They're the most used. And, and watch, watch TV. Watch movies. Watch commercials. You'll see... You know, you'll see ten dogs before you see one snake or one mouse or one rat. They're just, you know, they're the most used domestic animal. So it's it's where if you want to work, that's the animal you should have.
1: Yeah, I would think that dogs would probably be the easiest too.
0: Yeah, they they are because they're the they're the ones that like to work, right? All the other the exotic animals, they'll work because they're food motivated. They'll work because uh, uh, of their their training and everything else. Dogs want to please, you know. Cats not not so much, you know. But
1: I guess, how do the animals generally handle it, right? Can you tell looking at it like this dog is all about it and this dog is just, it's not, it's not happening.
0: Absolutely. So, so there are some definite prerequisites that, that we tell people who are considering getting into this. Um, The, the main ones that, that we go to are confidence and food drive. Those, those are the two absolute most important Um, confidence. Is pretty obvious and straightforward working on set. You're working with strangers and loud noises and new people and new environments. And if you've ever gone up to a dog and you've gone to pet it and it kind of uh, pulls away, you know, does that shy thing. Nope. no, not not, not a good, not a good candidate at all. Because it, we never want to put a dog in a position where they're unhappy, where they're, they're scared, where they're nervous. And, and that's not, nothing you ever want to do. So confidence is number one. Uh, second one is food drive. Um, everything that a dog does on set is voluntary. Um, so if you picture a scene, you picture a dog, you picture Fre- the dog from Fraser Eddie, that dog is in the middle of a scene, sitting in a chair, you know, being asked to do things by a trainer. There's nobody there to make that dog do anything. You know, that dog is supposed to bark at a certain line and then lay down and then go pick up a toy and get back in the chair, whatever the action is. No one's there making that dog do that. That dog's doing that on its own because it wants to. And, and dogs like to work, but they, they need something to make sure they're motivated, and that's food.
1: I feel like that's us too, though, when you get right down to it. Oh,
0: yeah, exactly. Substitute food for a paycheck, which equals food. Yeah, same, same thing. You're not going to dig a ditch for a dollar an hour in the hot sun, and a dog is not going to work on set for 12 hours for a, a, a tennis ball
1: has the industry changed in a way like what kind of protections are in place for the animals to make sure that people aren't
0: the, there are several protections. Um, I, I'd like to think the first and foremost is, is us, the trainers. Um, it is not in our best interest or anyone's best interest to push a dog on set to a point where they no longer want to work because that doesn't benefit anybody. Right. Um, once a dog is, is, Scared or, or pushed to the point where it doesn't want to work anymore. Nobody benefits from that. We now have a dog that's not going to want to work on set, so that burns us for all future jobs for that dog. And the production, its day is over with the dog. Oh, we still have more scenes. Well, it's too bad the dog doesn't want it, won't do it anymore. And like I said earlier, it's voluntary, so we can't make the dog do it. Um, as far as other safeguards, there are uh, companies like American Humane and MAP, which stands for Moving Animals Protected. And their sole purpose is again to just be there on set, and to to help us as trainers mediate any any issues we may have or any any things that we may have may have not noticed or things that they can just help us with. Um, things like you know making sure the asphalt isn't too hot and helping us you know say okay you know we can only do this scene one more time because the you know the sun is just getting too hot or or whatever there's not enough shade in this scene. And so they're there to help us. Um, Uh, make sure that no animals are harmed and everything else. But again, it starts with the trainer. It starts with us. And, and again, it's in no one's best interest um, to, to make a dog be scared or, or be hurt or be, you know, it doesn't help anybody. I've never understood why uh, people like think that working on set is, is some sort of an abusive industry. Cause it's literally the opposite. It's one of the few industries that is all voluntary you know there's no leashes there you know the the dog does what it wants when it wants and if it doesn't want it it doesn't do it it's as simple as that
1: has has that always been the case or do you feel like that's kind of changed over the last whatever amount of time
0: uh, as far as like exotic animals and some of those other ones i think that there were probably some, some unfortunate things that were done earlier on and i'm i'm you know sure if people google it they'll find things um, but with domestic dogs it's it's not really the case, and and with exotics again, it's just not that way anymore.
1: Boy, if you get that PR hit, somebody finds out that that oh crush yeah, you, that'll crush Absol- you fast.
0: Absolutely, I, and it, and it happened with whatever movie that was, a, a dog's purpose or a dog's life, whatever that was. And there was there was some video that that was edited to look like the dog was was really struggling to swim and. That was enough to absolutely dismantle that whole, you know, killed everything about that production. So again, it's in no one's best
1: interest to even do things that are perceived. Are you ready for some harder slash listener submitted questions? Absolutely. Most in demand dog? Family dog. That, that's the general fit. Golden,
0: labs, terrier mixes, um, sort of that, the generic dog that you can't really tell what it is those are by far the most in demand by far least least is a, a variety least right off the bat um solid black dogs if you've ever tried to take a, a, a cell phone video or a picture of a solid black dog what happens same thing that happens with my shirt you can't see anything it all blends together there's no definition there's no you can't see it so solid black dogs and darker dogs are are almost never picked um you can't ever say Never say never because there is a black dog in a movie, but, I mean, overall, very rarely picked. Um, the other one is sort of the the white fluffy dogs. I'm sure you've seen lots of little white fluffy dogs in your life. For some reason, they're almost never picked for studio work. I
1: don't know why. I would think that they would be picked. It seems like the kind of – like I feel like there's always – I think of uh, Jennifer Coolidge seems like someone yeah, who would be – right.
0: Yeah, I mean, but watch, watch TV and movies, and we we have them. They have not. They just typically are not picked. You'd think maybe they would be, but they they are not. I mean, so same thing with like there are purse dogs. We call them purse dog or whatever uh, productions out there where you know we uh, we did like the, some of the advertising for Legally Blonde, Legally Blonde on Broadway, and so we we brought Chihuahuas and things like that because that was the dog. Um, but that's sort of an exception. You know, those those dogs are, are not really highly sought after um, just because they 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 portray a look that just for whatever reason, again, I don't know why I'm not the one who picks the dogs or, or decides what goes in what. They just don't work very much.
1: Yeah, that's one of those things that even thinking about is like, well, why wouldn't that dog work?
0: Yeah, I, yeah, your guess is good as mine. Bichon frises and Maltese mixes and all those things, we see them all the time, people contact all the time, but they just don't work.
1: Most unique command you've ever had to teach in a dog or an animal. Oh, that is that is a good, that's a great question.
0: Two, two come to mind. Um, our company was contacted uh, by a reality show uh, about, uh, it was called um, Guinness World Records Unleashed. Um, it was a TV show about people breaking Guinness World Records and spoiler alert, reality shows are often not real. Sorry if I'm breaking hearts out there. It's it's more scripted than you would ever believe it is. Um, and so we were hired as a as a studio company to train animals to break records. Um, one of them was removing socks and shoes. And so one of our trainers, um, Brianna Schmidt she has two Guinness World Records since she was a trainer on the job for most socks uh, removed by a dog in 60 seconds, and most shoes removed by a dog in 60 seconds. And she was on the Katie Couric show and promoted it and everything else. And it was, uh, but the uh, the thing we she was hired to do it and, and paid as a as a studio trainer to
1: do it. So that that's fairly unique. How many how many socks and shoes was it? Like I would be impressed at two, to be honest. <laughs> right. With you. Uh, it was a it was a lot, and
0: it was we. She ran out of people. I want to say it was like. It was it was like 13 people so so 13 times two sets of socks and shoes and she had at least 15 seconds left but since there weren't any more people on there she broke the record with that amount they they set it up so she'd break the record not that she set a new record so once she broke the record with those 13 people on the katie kirk show back when she used to have a talk show um that was it that was it
1: I can't believe reality TV show. Oh, it's, it's just, it's amazing. Sorry, they, bachelor nation <laughs> actor that seems to get along best with animals. Oh, um, most, most of them almost because who doesn't love dogs? You know what
0: I mean? Like when you show up on set and you have an animal, you're the, you're the, I'm oftentimes the, you know, the best person that people like to see on set purely because I have the dog that's there. So, um, uh, The only time that I've ever had an issue was we, like I said earlier, we provide other animals and and we have provided um, snakes and things like that. And that's where people start to not like when we show up. And so um, uh, I did uh, an episode of The New Adventures of Old Christine with Julie Weiss-Dreyfus, that that show. Wanda Sykes was on that show. And she wanted, if I was in the studio, she did not want to be in the studio. And I, I tried not to take it personally um but it was because she was just absolutely terrified of snakes.
1: Yeah, everybody does like dogs. Yeah. Especially when they're nice, right? Like yeah, it's... and
0: we, and we don't, right? And we don't bring not nice dogs. Even when the dogs are supposed to look mean or they're not really mean, you know. It's all it's all training, you know. Like the barking and the growling and the snarling um or you know, being afraid or whatever. That's not none of that's real. It's all it's all we it's all things we do to make it look real. I think they added sound. We use little devices and things like that. Um, you know, some of the friendliest dogs, you know, can look really scary on set if you get them to bark just right.
1: (laughs) Most famous TV dog or most famous, I guess, who would you say is kind of like that was the most famous dog? Oh,
0: um, it may have been because I already mentioned it, but, uh, uh, the dog from Modern Family, despite there being two dogs, um, and then Eddie from Frasier, I think are the most two well-known TV dogs. Is there a... Just because they they did so many seasons, you know, season after season. And the dog was just sort of always in the background and reminded you it was there. Um, you know, and there's been other dogs and TV shows, but I think purely for the runtime of those series, those dogs really stood out.
1: The one that jumps out to me, right. Is like Airbud, right. Cause they made a ton of them. Now, yes. Will that be the same animal the whole time? No. So for,
0: for movies like Airbud, um, will oftentimes we'll get doubles for things like that. Like the the classic case um, is like Marley and Me. Um, you know, do you remember the movie Marley and Me with uh, you know, Owen yeah, Wilson yeah. and I think yeah, um, they were famously twenty two yellow labs in that, in that movie. So that's a, that's a lot, you know, and it's because there was so many different actions that those dogs were doing. The dog was mellow. The dog was old. The dog was young. The dog was destructive the dog was pulling on leash the dog was asleep and and it can be so difficult to get a dog that is just crazy energy to pretend to be asleep all the time that they just got a a bunch of them they got a bunch of backups they got a bunch of doubles um and yellow labs are easy because all yellow labs kind of look alike um if it was a butt in that thing it that would have been impossible because you can't find that many that can double each other and you
1: can and, and be able to tell and then how would they do that? Then they would just like anytime they really showed the face, they would just like, This is the face dog.
0: Um, it's more so more so the action. This is the this is hi, this is the hyper dog. This is the crazy high energy ball drive dog, and this is the very low energy mellow sleets, you know, the the all the scenes where the dog is not doing things, they use that dog. And all the scenes where the dog is dragging Owen Wilson down the street and ripping up the, the sofa. That's the hyper dog.
1: Who would you say, like, could you say, like, who's, like, the best acting dog? Like, oh, man, that dog did the best job of, like, yeah. acting.
0: The dogs are, all the dogs are doing is what the trainers have taught them to do, right? So that's, that's what the dogs are doing. There no, There's no, so in other words, we get a lot of times where the, the script will say, the dog is sad or the dog is this, the dog is scared. Um, we don't ever make a dog be scared on set. We, we don't actually make a dog scared on set. We do things like teach a dog to lower their head and back up. And on camera, all of a sudden that looks like a scared dog. That's, do- oh, that dog entered a room, lowered its head, made a whimpering sound and backed out slowly. To me, that looks like a scared dog, you know, but that's not, that's not really what happened. There wasn't any fear involved at all. There was very, very specific training. That dog was probably loving every second of that. And a lot of times we have to work to get the dog's tail to stop wagging because it's like, it's supposed to be scared, but the dog is so happy to be, to work and to be on set and to be around people that it's tails wagging. And so we have to work and make sure the tail's like not wagging actively in these scenes. Um, So again, there's, there isn't any, you know, acting emotions that the dog is is displaying it's all it's all training and and there there are more you know examples of great trained dogs like than that i could even list you know um the the dogs that are in that that uh that tv show the old man there's a couple of rottweilers on oh, that yeah, show these yeah, got yeah. those those dogs are fantastic you know um very well trained they looked aggressive, they looked scary, but at the same time, they also looked amazingly sweet. They're Jeff Bridges' personal dogs that are loving and cuddling and doing all these things. So I think that's amazing acting. You know, those dogs are actively, believably looking like they're ripping people to shreds. And then the next scene, they're, they're actively cuddling with, with
1: actors. This one might be out of the realm necessarily, but maybe you know the answer. Um, has there ever been an animal that was cast? And I think they probably mean an, an exotic animal. that Like, we want yeah. this, but yeah. oh, we just couldn't do it. The The thing that would come to my mind, like, we want to make this movie with a koala bear, but oh. know, we just couldn't do it.
0: You're I don't know anyone who has a working panda. No, n- nobody owns one. You, you know, Companies can't get one. So if that was something that somebody wanted to do in a – in a writer's room, hey, we want to show and we're going to build it around this panda as a main character. I mean, it might be able to be done if someone was willing to commit to it, but it's not something that a company has that we could then train and, you know, it's just not really feasible. So there may be a situation like that that's existed, um, but I don't know because it probably stopped dead in its tracks. It, you know, somebody went, oh no, that's prohibitively expensive. Just make it a make it a chinchilla rather than a koala and we'll go from there. And we never heard about it.
1: That's pretty much all the questions I got, man. Is there anything else you think that we missed or, you know, how can people mo- learn more about you, about the company?
0: Um, sure. I, I mean, I, I can do a little blur about it ourselves. Um, so our company is Hollywood Paws. Um, uh, you can go on our website. If, if people have a dog that they think would be a good fit, you know, it fits the criteria that I talked about. It's confident, it's food driven. It's got a look um, that, you know, is a family dog or a terrier. It looks like something that, that you have seen on TV or, or you know, it's a look you'd like you know people can reach out and we will be happy to give them honest feedback as far as their dog's potential and and uh, uh it's you know it's not required that anyone take our training or anything else all that we require to be able to represent a dog and take them on set is that they just have to be studio trained um where they get the training really doesn't matter to us we we have programs that we can help them because it is so unique and most people don't know how to do it um but all they have to do is be trained and we will happily take them on set and work them and the the owner will will get the money that we charge for for the studio and the rental. so it's a great way to make money and it's a really fun uh, fun way to, to bond with your dog and do some unique training and so you know to all the people who you know love agility and love doing all these extracurriculars if you're looking for something else fun to do studio training can be fun regardless of whether your dog works or not because it's it's very unique stuff that's done in a unique way um, that is unlike any other type of training that's out there
1: I want to thank Joel so much for joining us. If you want to connect with him, we have linked to him and Hollywood Paws on our social media accounts. We're profoundly pointless on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. And we've also included his information in the episode description. Okay, now let's bring in John Schull and get to the pointless part of the show. Do animals seem to like you? Uh, yes,
2: but only... I, I have this theory that animals only like humans because they know what we are. We give them food. We take care of them. That's the only reason why, they're, why they don't eat us and kill us.
1: I would say that most animals either think that they're going to get something from us or are afraid of us. I don't think any of them are just friends with us out of the kindness of their own heart they're not any different than us though i mean we behave the exact same way that they do
2: i always wonder though about animals is that do they know that they could take over the planet like do they know the power that they that they hold if they wanted to possess it
1: well they couldn't take over the planet they have a physical power but that only gets you so far right we have thumbs they don't have thumbs man we don't have to worry about them that much. Dude. Like, individually, yeah, if we're in a battle arena, they're going to take us out. But as a collective, like, there's not much that they can do with us.
2: Wasn't there that uh, that's, that study or whatever that came out that said there's, like, 8,000 ants to every human?
1: Yeah, but that just doesn't—I'm not really too worried about the ants taking over. What animal would you say you're most
2: worried about taking over? insects because of how many there are i mean right it's pretty easy to say that which ones won't take over i mean fish won't take over birds probably won't take over i mean i can't really see any land animals taking over the only
1: land animal i could really see taking over is crows i'm a little bit worried about because they're smart now, but see again, they don't more, have thumbs. We don't really have to worry about anything that doesn't have thumbs.
2: <laughs> I don't. I, I maybe I'm not. Uh, maybe I'm not appreciating the thumb. I, I
1: don't know. I think you're vastly underestimating the importance of the thumb because you can't hold on to things very
2: well without the thumb. It, I. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I probably put ants as a top three animal that I would be worried about. The only animal that I'm slightly worried about
1: besides crows is maybe just dolphins. I just don't really trust dolphins. I feel like that whole thing that they're putting on about being like, oh, we're just following boats, we're playful, we're nice to look at, we're helpful. (laughs) I think that's all
2: an act. We don't know what's going on down there. I think dolphins are overrated animals. I really do. I, I think they are like elephants to me. Whoa. They are overrated. Elephants are not overrated. Elephants, I think, are right where
1: they should be. In the sense that, like, look, they have emotions, they care for each other. Elephants are fantastic.
2: I'm not, I'm not saying they're not fantastic animals. I just feel like they're like penguins. Okay, so what animal do you think is underrated then? Like, oh, we should be making a bigger deal about
1: that. Because right now all I'm hearing you doing is hating on certain animals.
2: <laughs> I mean, that is true. I was kind of negative there for two minutes. Uh, I mean, jaguars, cheetahs, lions, tigers... I mean animals that are are predators.
1: Hmm. I'm a big fan of the wolf. I think the wolf, the wolf needs needs a lot more respect in this world. Don't think the wolf gets have you ever, respect.
2: Have you ever seen a wolf in in the wild or like at the zoo?
1: I mean, I've seen it
2: at the zoo. I've seen a couple at the zoo. They're much bigger than you think that they would. Oh, they're, Yeah, they're, that's what I was going to. They're huge. Like if one was to roll up on me while I was at, at having a campfire in the middle of the woods, I would probably be quite worried.
1: I'm I'm pretty much afraid of any wild animal. If you're any animal, wild animal that is bigger than a squirrel, I don't want anything to do with messing with them. Because you're going to be on the losing side of that battle. I really don't want to mess with any animal, not even a squirrel. Like... If a squirrel attacked you, could you, do like,
2: you're basically just going to have to run away. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is because they're so quick, right, that you're probably not going to get a whole lot of offense in. And they're going to fuck you up by the time that you even get a a good grip on them. By that time, they're jumping off you and leaving.
1: Right. They're going to just run circles around you (laughs) and then just, like, bite you with those teeth. I mean, they can crack nuts, man. That's going to hurt. That's what's interesting, is that we beat every animal, but not
2: individually. Like, unarmed, we're going to lose to pretty much anything over five pounds. It is incredible thinking of what animals, like I said, what they could do if they knew the limits of what they could do. I mean, what's to stop a rhino from taking out every safari car in Africa? I want to say
1: that I read something that, like, before we became intelligent enough to
2: start using tools we were like middle of the pack i'm always curious to know that if dinosaurs hadn't have gone extinct where would we be as a species right now not existing yeah i don't think we would be
1: i don't think a lot of species would exist though to be honest with you but we certainly would not be existing
2: i mean let's be honest though comes to dinosaurs some of them had their problems
1: Well, I don't think that they had a lot of problems besides the fact that there was a giant meteor. I think that's ultimately (laughs) the only real problem that they had. If I was a dinosaur, like, watching us, I'd be like, all right, they're pretty okay, but let's see what they do in the long run, right? We don't have anything on dinosaurs right now. Yeah, we've got all this technology, but we're a flashy young kid. We haven't established ourselves as a dominant organism on the planet.
2: I think we are the dominant organism, but I agree with you. We're still like the, we're still in the infancy of humanism.
1: I would say. Did you say that? I don't think that's correct, but we can just we can I just skip by. infancy. Infancy, I yeah. believe, is the word. I
2: think infancy is the word. That's right. Oh,
1: that's the right word. Yeah, maybe you just didn't say it quite the way. That infancy. I... Yeah, infancy.
2: Infancy. <laughs>
1: I think the actual dominant organism on the planet is either viruses or fungi. It's their, Oh, yeah, by far. It's their planet. We just
2: happen... They're, like, letting us, like... <laughs> we'll just let them have it as they feed on us. I mean... We just went through a pandemic, and now that Last of Us show is showing everybody that fungi could kill us if the, <laughs> if the wrong one gets out of control.
1: Um, we actually, if anybody is interested in this, we had a fungi expert on a while ago, Dr. Gordon Walker, and he, we talked about the, the idea of the fungi thing in The Last of Us. And he said basically, no, that's, that would not happen. They're not adapted to our immune systems. But um, anyway, if anybody wants to listen to well, it, it's
2: really interesting. Well, it's because we're too hot, from what I understand.
1: Yeah, but even if we weren't too hot, we there would still be a lot of difficulties. He explains the whole thing. If anybody's interested, we'll put a link into it.
2: Um, yeah. Okay. You ready? The November 3rd, 2021 edition of Profoundly Pointless is when we had Dr. Gordon Walker on.
1: Holy crap. Man, time goes fast. It's fascinating to me how long days are and how short years are.
2: Yeah kind of like you in the bedroom um well what's the long part i i didn't i didn't think that one that far out yeah. i didn't see
1: either way you kind of complimented I me didn't. in a way
2: but before i get in the shots i want to ask your that's on a one question
1: thing. one thing would you rather have a big old honker or last really long in the bedroom like you could last really long but you've got slightly substandard like four to, <laughs> to five or you could have a ten oh. to twelve, but you're only going like two minutes.
2: Am I my age now, or am I like twenty one years old? Let's say twenty five to forty. Oh well, if I'm that, yeah, then I'm going. I'm going length over, yeah, over longevity at that point.
1: Right, right. It's ready to big a. It's better to make a big splash than a long wave.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's better to you know. Instead of wadd you know, waddling into the pool, just fucking cannonball, get right. it over with. Just sh- show them. Men and women alike are
1: impressed by that. Nobody's impressed if, <laughs> like, I went for two hours and be like, why?
2: Yeah, and half the time you don't even believe. At least from a, from a man to man perspective, you don't believe I, the guys I, that are bragging. I
1: don't believe anybody that talks about it. Anybody that says anything about their um, sexual escapades i don't believe any of it <laughs> i would say it's i only believe 10 percent about it 10 percent tops of anybody okay. that's telling me anything like man i was there for like no you weren't it was like 30 <laughs> seconds and you were by yourself <laughs> and they left disappointed and you probably paid for it um okay do you want to do <laughs> shout outs or do you have some big question that you wanted to ask me
2: uh No, I wanted to get your opinion on something. So the wife and I were having an argument the other day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Probably one that, you know, I'm always to blame. So we'll say that I was at blame for the reason we were arguing.
1: Okay, okay.
2: And about halfway through the argument, it wasn't a long argument, but about halfway through, and she was, I mean, my wife was mad. Oh, it was like an argument uh,
1: argument, the kind of argument oh, you probably shouldn't be talking about.
2: Yeah, no, it's 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 fine. It's you know, I think any couple, whether you're married or not married, man, you know, man, female, whatever, whatever floats your boat. I think you get a you get an argument, you get in a disagreements. It happens. I think it's healthy, actually. Maybe not to argue to the point. Uh, obviously, there shouldn't be physical violence, but you know, arguing and disagreeing is normal. I think it's good. Anyways, long story short, we're we're arguing. It's more of a disagreement than an argument. Whatever. Uh, but halfway through, I realized that this is dumb. You know, like, what what we're talking about just it doesn't matter. So I proceed to make a really bad joke, like out of nowhere. And I thought that would do two things. One, make her stop and be like, this guy's an idiot. I'm leaving the room. And two, for her to realize that I wasn't really mad. Well... I don't know what the Latin term is for this, but I done fucked up.
1: Yeah, dude, I don't even need to know what it's about to sound that you done fucked up. I mean, most arguments, if you oh, get halfway through it, it's kind of like, wait a minute, what are we even arguing about? Because then it becomes yeah. about winning the argument rather than actually <laughs> having a discussion
2: about it. So what happened at the end of this? I mean, she she went to, uh, she might have been at an eight at that point. She went to like an 11 and a half.
1: What was the joke? And I just, well, well, we need context here. What was
2: the joke? What was the argument about? Uh, the argument was about plans for, <laughs> plans for the day, like what we were going to be doing. Okay, okay. What time uh, was the it, argument happening in the day?
1: 11 a.m., maybe? All right. That's a little late to be arguing about plans for the day, but not not totally out of the realm of understanding. Feel like that's a and nine a.m. thing, but I am a morning person.
2: I, uh, I I have these jokes that I like to say. I make them up, but I say like things that my grandfather used to say, and they're really dumb. And you know, for instance, like uh, just an example, I will say, hey, uh, you know, it's like my grandfather used to say, you can go fishing and, and catch that fish, but it doesn't mean the sun's going to set any faster.
1: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Like it sounds like wisdom, but it's actually just a completely pointless thing to say. Oh, it's, it's, it's meaningless. Like a, but you do think about it for a brief moment.
2: Yeah. Well, I did one of those to her. And for about about a quarter of a second, I saw her go, oh, and then it was just seeing red. Oh, and then, yeah. you know, so my, my, my reason in saying this was to all of you out there who are listening to this, don't do what I did. Just keep going. Try to win the argument. Don't try to end it with a very bad joke. That's only going to infuriate your partner even more. Hmm.
1: I don't know if that's actually – I think that your strategy could have worked. You just got to read – you should have read The Room better. I would say that strategy would actually work like eight – at least eight out of ten times. But you didn't read The Room very well.
2: for For the record, just so everyone knows how this ended, within an hour of that – I was making her food and lunch for her and my children. Okay, all right. Let's move on, anyways. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for for nothing. Um, all right. Uh, let's give some shout outs. Uh, we'll start with Jamie Clay, Charlie Dupin, Rachel Baggett Moore, Jennifer Finley, Lena Mariposa, Lloyd White, Bill Burrow, Daryl Rodriguez. Sasha Boney, Corey Grundman, and last but not least this week, Sasheen Patil. Mm. Don't hear a lot of Charlies anymore. It's a good, solid name.
1: I'm not a fan of Charles, unless it's Charles Xavier. But Charlie's a, Charlie's a solid name. You don't usually have a lot of problems with people named
2: Charlie. It's funny you say that, Nicholas. Because I was we me and the wife are working our way through the crown, the love, and obviously Prince Charles is heavily into that. And I asked her, I go, you know, because he's going to have his coronation either this summer or or next year. And I said, watch, Charlie's going to become a top five boy's name again. Mmm.
1: So did it?
2: I I don't know. He hasn't had his coronation yet.
1: Well, yes, he has.
2: No, he hasn't.
1: Who's, wait, is this a fictional TV show, or is this a real thing? Who's Charlie?
2: Is Charles, this in the show, Prince, or is this
1: in real life? It. <laughs>
2: okay. You know that the Queen died, right? I'm
1: aware of the Queen died, right? But is it yes. Will or Henry next in line?
2: No, it's Meghan Markle's in... husband? <laughs> is that Harry? Harry. Harry is fourth in line after after his father Charles and then it goes to Charles' oldest son William and then to his three kids. Actually Harry is fifth cuz I don't even know the kids' names, but they have three children. So who's going to uh, be William the who's going
1: to be the king now? Charles. In the TV show or in real life?
2: Jesus Christ. In real life he will be the king. But he it's like a it's it's like a year and a half to two year process of this coronation.
1: So right now we could we could just take over England
2: because they got no no ruler. We could just go in there. Time to start storming the beaches. See, (laughs) I'm fascinated by the I think the monarchy gets uh, gets rough shot because I feel like people don't want to learn the historical value of a monarchy. Um, and I, that's fine, but I'm fascinated by it. I could I could read on it and, and watch things on it all day. I think it's in some ways everybody's dream to essentially
1: be born into wealth and power and not have to do anything. Weren't you a history major? Ancient Roman history, which is very <laughs> useful. I really put that degree to work, let me tell you.
2: Okay, I've, that's um, all right. I'm glad to. My hair has two and a half degrees, and I have no idea what I do with them. Uh, all right. Uh, would you rather have? Let's get to some questions. Okay. Some, okay. Would you rather have wings or a fin?
1: Wings. What would I do? I, I don't want to swim underwater. I don't care about being able to swim underwater. I would much rather have
2: wings, assuming that I can
1: fly. I don't want to be like an ostrich yeah. or a penguin. Or a turkey, no, really. You, I want to be able dude, to Dude, you would for
2: sure be like a little rock hopper penguin. Oh, God. Percent. I
1: would be a rock hopper penguin, too. Just And I'd just
2: be out. that fat emperor penguin that just stands on the rock and everyone's like, look at that one. Look at that one. What's he doing? <laughs> Eating, getting eaten <laughs> yeah. by a polar bear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I'd much rather have wings. I don't
1: want to be in the water.
2: Hey, You you, you have to be honest, though, that if, if I was a penguin, I mean, they're coming after me because I'm definitely being plentiful.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're gonna get you yeah. pretty quick. They're gonna get you pretty you quick.
2: Think, this kind of goes back like to what we were talking about originally. Do you think we'll just take penguins as an example? Do you think there's like like penguin chatter where they're like, "Look at that one, like old Brian is not escaping." You know, the polar bear today. That's a good
1: question. Is if penguins size each other up the same way that we do? I bet they also. I wonder if they do. If they look at other animals and be like, "God, here comes freaking Brian." <laughs> You see that idiot the other day? Yeah, I hope right. that animals gossip. I hope that animals, I mean, other animals know like, well, they do in a way, right? They have competitions for who is going to be the alpha male and where they're going to be in packs, at least like wolves and dogs do. So they yeah, kind of figure I mean, things out that way. They know who's who's got it and who it doesn't.
2: I mean, that's why they go to a water cooler, right? Like in Africa, they all go to a body of water, not because they're thirsty. No, no, I, because well, probably sizing each other up. I think that they probably don't do it in the same way
1: that we do it. We do it through more through conversation. They do it more through physical shows of physical violence. But I think that they absolutely do it. Right? They know that old Tommy over there ain't shit. Like he's not <laughs> gonna mess with Big Bob. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I think yeah. I think well, just much more about it. I guess That's a good question. I hope they do. I hope they have, like, they're chatting about each other.
2: Yeah, dude, they socialize. I I feel like that should just be my second question because this one isn't going to be very, very good. Um, But what what would you rather have as a defense mechanism if you were an animal? Being able to uh, camouflage like a chameleon, have gigantic, massive teeth like an alligator, or be able to spit venom I don't really want anything to do with spitting things.
1: Any kind of, like, spitting stuff or acid or venom or poison, I don't really want anything to do with that. I don't want to really bite things either. What was my third option? Uh, I mean, this is the one you're going to pick. Just camouflage, like a chameleon, grasshoppers. Yeah, that'd be cool. Like, camouflage animals, you're always, even if you don't like that kind of an animal, Whatever it is, you're always a little bit impressed by the fact that they can camouflage themselves. Like I don't care anything about octopi, but the fact that they can like tra- they can change camouflage. I don't care about chameleons, but they are kind of memorable for that. Or like those animals. I care that, about how octopuses taste? Tell you that. I don't think I've ever had an octopus. I don't really want to. They're very smart. <laughs> I
2: don't want to eat any yeah. animal. That's an animal that could take over the world, man. I think they got? Yeah, that's an animal that's a threat. Except they're not plentiful. Well, I mean, who knows? We've talked about who knows where the, the who knows how where they, they are. The, are the and there could like, be octopi
1: pl- plotting at the bottom of the ocean right now, and they might not have thumbs, but they've got eight arms, and they're going to wreck us. We got to watch them. Right. We got to watch the octopi.
2: You have to, you know, in in Detroit uh, back in the late '90s, early 2000s, when the Detroit Red Wings, which is a hockey team. For those of you that don't know, uh, would do well or score a goal or something. People, for some reason, would throw an octopus onto the ice. Uh, They would sneak them in in their pants, in their bags, underneath their shirts, and they would throw them onto the ice.
1: That sounds awful for everyone involved.
2: Uh, All right, let's see. Uh, This one's pretty easy. So the four four things uh, that we put up for us to discuss, uh, alligator killing an elderly woman in Florida. And now they're going through uh, where she was killed, and, and and finding all the alligators and disposing of them. Which I don't know if I agree upon, but whatever. Uh, I mean, uh, say that didn't I don't mean,
1: think that you can blame an animal for being an animal. Bare minimum Monday. Have
2: you have you heard of bare minimum Monday?
1: Is that where you put in very little to no effort? <laughs>
2: yeah, work? apparently it was. It's something that just started, and it's of of course by the younger generation. Um, and it's basically you just don't really do any work I, on Monday. I don't feel sorry for any corporations because
1: I feel like they are now experiencing what they have done to people for a long time, right? They used to – for how long have corporations been charging us more money for a crappier product? And now they want to get all mad when people don't want to – like, well, wait a minute. I'm going to do less work for this amount of money,
2: Right. So we're just doing to corporations what they have done to us for a long time. So I don't want to hear it. You ask a lot of underlings, a lot of people who are are the workers for these corporations, and uh, there's a lot of unhappiness. That's for sure. Because we have come to the point that like all of this is getting us nowhere.
1: There's no loyalty amongst corporations. They could care less about you. So why should we care about them? And they're pocketing all of this massive amount of money and then turning around and, like, well, why don't you guys want to work for us? I've always thought the stupidest question that you could possibly ask somebody is, why do you want to work here? For money. This is a job. Nobody cares about any of this. We want people who want to work here. No one wants to work here. I don't understand this delusional <laughs> mindset that some places have that, like, people want to be doing these things. We don't want to do this, it's for money. And don't get mad at us that we're now treating you the same way that you have treated us. We're going to charge you more money for the same thing. Well, I'm not doing more work for the same money.
2: There's my rant wow. for the day. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to move on from that and say that the winning topic uh, was cocaine bear.
1: Oh, yeah. Of course it has to be cocaine bear. But the problem is is like that movie to me, I want it, I don't want to see that movie. I want it to exist only in my head. Because my imagination of what's going on in that movie is probably better than the actual movie. I feel like the actual movie is a disappointment. Like Hot Tub Time Machine. Sounds fantastic. <laughs> don't want to see the movie.
2: Well, I mean, obviously it's a fictionalized version of a, of a true story. But I don't know if you've taken the time to read the true story of Cocaine Bear, which, by the way, almost dethroned the Marvel movie. At the top of the box office this week, uh, weekend, past weekend, um, yeah, I think everybody's tired of those movies, man. Well, I mean, there's only so many ways are different, right? And I got to tell you, I think uh, the actors that they put into the main roles, I think people are tired of them uh, because that's all you that's all you've seen the last decade. Yeah, I think that there's a
1: lot of overexposure basically happening with everybody because now every single celebrity has a movie or a TV show or an album, and then they've also got all of their social media, and then they're covered endlessly. Like, God, I just want something different. I'm sick of all these same people.
2: I mean, listen, you know I love The Rock. You know it. He's on a downfall.
1: He's going down a little bit. What he's
2: doing with the XFL, where every tweet is about this, or every, basically every, and I get what he's doing. He's the head of it, but it's, man, it's, you you know, I don't care about a backup quarterback from Alabama that couldn't make it in the NFL, so... You gave him a shot in the XFL and he's won a game. Like, I, you know...
1: Yeah, know. it's like I'm not really that interested in people who are still pursuing that career in the XFL. I get it. Like, more power <laughs> to him. Like, try to fulfill your dream. But the idea that everybody's going to watch that, like, all right, like, people aren't lining up in droves to go see high school basketball games <laughs> from people that they don't know.
2: I mean, let's be honest, though, right? I mean, it's great... Um and good for them, but it's it's just part of that fatigue, I think. And I think the pandemic made it even worse for people because you were inside, right? And yeah, you just re- you relied on these people's socials and everything else. Anyways, let's move on from that. Are you ready? i
1: I kind of was under the impression you may have forgotten, and I was going to verbally <clears throat> chastise you. But so it is. No. This episode is airing. It's a new month,
2: so you Watch. know what that means. Watch. Oh Watch. yeah. It's time. <laughs> what is that sound supposed to be? I'm not really sure. I just got really excited because I, I got a I got a good one. Got a good com- Well, I don't know if they're a good company, but I found a company. It's a brand new company. Okay, can I say uh, what that it is? Co- yes, please. I'm sorry. All right, it's time.
1: No wait. I can't make a horse sound, but I'm okay. Imagine like a horse sound, like hoof beats, like. The Outlaw Candle Connoisseur rides again. It's time. Candle
2: of the month. All right. So check this out. Brand new company. Uh, not brand new, but brand new to this podcast. Uh, can you hold the microphone? Other can you Land. hold the microphone next to you so people can hear that? Sorry. I just got so excited. I know. I know. I was worried you were going like, to um, yell in it. I know. That's why I yelled it away because I didn't want to, like, drown it out. Uh, so so with I've never featured in my, whatever, two and a half years so far. Yeah. Um, of doing this, uh, but the company is called Otherland, and this is a little different than I've done. But there's it comes in a three pack, and uh, it's basically called the uh, the limited edition three pack. is called Carefree '90s. You get three cents, Dreamlight, Blue Jean Baby, and Glass Pop. My my personal favorite is Blue Jean Baby because it literally smells like a pair of washed blue jeans, which I don't know if 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 you've ever well, of course you have. You wash your jeans and you're taking them, you know, out of the out of the washer and they smell like they just smell like the detergent. They smell fresh. I don't have a sense amazing. of smell. That's fucking right. I I should every know that every time we five do this years. every
1: time. How ironic that our one of our most uh, popular segments is candle of the month and how good they smell. And I don't. This whole segment is a slap in my face. It really, is. That's why, it really that's is. Why I'm taking a quite okay. taking a look. Anyway, pop, all right. No, there. I don't know what jeans smell like.
2: <laughs> Anyways. Uh so anyway, so glass pop, uh or gloss pop, I'm sorry. Uh it's strawberry gloss, hard candy, frosted rose. That's kind of the like the candyish one, obviously. Uh but Dreamlight is a close it's a close number one to me. But it uh basically think of like a juicy tangerine mixed with um i don't know like like some kind of fruit other than a tangerine but it's like 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 uh, like fuchsia like it's a like it's just good like it just makes you feel good but either way head over to overland uh or Otherland, not overland otherland.com check it out i don't know how long how much longer they're gonna have it on i mean i don't think i've said this too many times but like we, we don't get paid for this like i literally just get candles throw them out there um Yeah, I wish I had coupon codes because I would use them. Man, so the end of this always
1: ends up with you hitting trying to hit up people for free stuff. (laughs) I like it. I mean, you have to. Uh, That's my only problem with this. I have a couple of questions here. Well, I have one statement and then I have a question. I can't actually imagine at all what a tangerine looks like. Can you imagine what a tangerine looks like? I can only imagine oranges and peaches. like If somebody was like, what does a tangerine look like? Looks like an orange, right? Like, I can't picture mentally a tangerine at all. I mean, it's just a baby orange. Right. Now, I've had a Tangelo. But if somebody be like, how do I know the difference? How do I? Because we have cuties, which are little tiny oranges that my son's like. We go through like a fucking bag a day. Um, But anyway, I can't mentally picture a tangerine. I can't mentally separate a tangerine from just a small orange in my mind. Certainly can't picture a nectarine. Don't even know what that looks like.
2: Okay, I think it's like what's your question?
1: Is a nectarine like a peach?
2: Uh, similar, I believe.
1: Oh, don't yeah, the me, skin's though. a little bit different. Um, so it's called Candle of the Month, not Candles of the Month. That sounds like three candles. Comes in a three-pack. Okay. So technically, it's one big candle. But are they separate? They are separate, Okay, yes. so then which one of those is the Candle of the Month? I don't want three I mean, candles I, of the month. I, it's a candle of the month, not candles of the month.
2: I mean, I, I said it. My my favorite is the blue jean baby, which because it smells like a pair of blue jeans that just got out of the wash, you know. And it's just want to smother myself in it and just just now, not put it in the dryer. Do blue jeans smell like black jeans, or do jeans all smell the same regardless mm-hmm. of color? See, I, I knew I knew you were going to do this. Well, then you yes. should have an answer the, the, ready. Jeans smell like jeans. Yes, doesn't matter if they're blue. Or khaki. It, no, but you've always had this issue because apparently, for those of you that didn't know this about Nick, he apparently didn't know that blue jeans were called blue jeans in some areas. I know areas. that they're
1: called blue jeans. It's just pointless to call them blue jeans. They're jeans. I don't need the color reference on them. I'm not like, all right, I'm going to go put on my gray shorts. <laughs> I'm just to put on good- shorts.
2: You have made good points in the past that we don't say, hey, I'm going to put on my black jeans or my green jeans. Right. But they're blue jeans. I don't know, man. Dale Earnhardt Jr., making them famous. Well, I think they were famous long before Dale Earnhardt Jr., just to be honest with you.
1: Um, Okay. Are you ready for our top five? I am. Uh, So our top five is
2: top five movie animals. What's your number five? So I'm going to start this off with a question. When you meant animals, did you mean like... The specific character or the kind of animal? I meant the specific character. Okay. All right. Well, that's good then. Uh, All right. So my number five is uh, the shark from Jaws. Oh, shoot.
1: I forgot about the shark from Jaws. That's way up there, though. The only thing, the only reason that I wouldn't put the shark from Jaws quite as high is it doesn't have a name. If the shark was named, I feel like it would be a little bit higher on the list. But that's very good.
2: Well, I think that's its name is Jaws, technically. Oh, is it Jaws? I believe that's the name of the... Well, I mean, it's the nickname they give the shark, but I think that's the that ends up being the name of the shark. Okay. Okay. I could be wrong as well, but I don't think I am. And that
1: might have to be higher then, honestly. I think <laughs> that's, you may have gone low on five.
2: Um, Yeah, probably. Yeah,
1: because it puts my number five to shame, which is Rocket Raccoon. (laughs) I think he's coming up fast, right? I think a lot of the other movie animals that we were going to talk about are older, 10 to 20 years older in a lot of these cases. I think Rocket Raccoon is probably the most recent addition to this list that could make the top five.
2: Um, Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I I have older ones. My ne- my number four actually is probably the youngest one I have in terms of how how recent it's been released. And I have uh, Finding Nemo. Okay, I thought about Nemo. Now wait a
1: minute, Finding Nemo. Which one did you have though? Do you have Nemo or do you have the dad
2: or Dory? No, Nemo, the the little guy, the with the messed up fin. But isn't the dad more in the movie than Nemo? I wonder who has more screen time, Nemo or the dad? <laughs> I, I I honestly don't have any idea. I mean, I mean, I would think probably the dad because he's searching, right? He meets the turtle, I think, who's played by Ellen DeGeneres. I think that's the fish. I think that's Dory. Oh, that's oh yeah, no, that's Dory. That's right. Yeah, turtle is like the hippie guy. My number four is King Kong. Okay, so. I have him. I He was my number three. I, I didn't want to have him back to back to you, but I have King Kong as my number three. Okay. I'll go right into my number three, then. It's Winnie the Pooh. What kind of animal is Winnie the Pooh? He's a bear. Oh.
1: How do you okay. not know that Winnie the Pooh... What did you think it was?
2: But, I mean, I, I don't... What kind of bear is Winnie the Pooh? Is, is, is a, is no, is it's a It's a bear. Is, is, the brown bears, the black Does bears. Does it matter
1: if somebody's like, oh, okay, well, Winnie the Pooh turns out he's... I'm sure he's a golden bear.
2: I mean, are those real bears? Maybe I, he's like, a honey bear.
1: Wouldn't it make sense I'm, for him to be a honey bear? Okay, we have two I things mean, that we need to look up. What kind of bear is Winnie the Pooh? And what was the other <laughs> one? I thought there was something I, else. Who oh, has what more, was, what who was, has was the shark time? from Jaws no. name? What? kind who has more screen time in Nemo the dad or the kid (laughs) a bear is Winnie the Pooh I bet he's a what do you think he is what do you think he is
2: I I don't know I know he's a bear what kind of bear is he supposed to be I don't know
1: nobody has an answer (laughs)
2: because I don't think he's an actual he's a teddy it's fine we'll just call him a a bear he's a teddy bear that's fine
1: how come nobody has an answer to what kind of bear Woody the Pooh is? Did you find out the one about the Nemo?
2: No, I didn't look it up. Oh, okay. All right. Well, then what's
1: your number? Ooh, I think <laughs> I I might surprise you,
2: but you also might surprise me. What's your number two? Yeah, my number two is actually pretty lame, but it's a personal favorite, so I'm putting it on the list, and that's Free Willy. Huh. <laughs> Free Willy is definitely has the
1: name recognition, but I don't think that anybody actually gives a shit about Free Willy, right? Like you remember the
2: name, but you don't actually care. You just remember that scene where it jumps over the thing. Yeah, which is fucking incredible. But yes, I I agree with you. But it's a personal favorite, and I feel like it could be it could be a top four or five. I just boosted it a couple of couple spots that's all i think that um, when you first i think that that's one that
1: jumps out at you but then as you start to think of other characters it just keeps moving down the list in which i think okay. that if you honestly kind of once you start to think of other movie characters i think it gets knocked out of the top 10 once you I really start you to that think about
2: it one and two are probably pretty easy but i don't want to put i don't want to make it easy my number two is simba Oh. Right.
1: Yeah. Now that you think about it, Simba from The Lion King, you're like, oh, crap.
2: No, I'm I'm kind of surprised that uh, we didn't have four animals on our list, which I'll get to in my honorable mention, I guess. Okay. At least at least, at least least three of them. Uh, uh, man. Um,
1: Who's your number two, then? Oh, you put Free Willy. No. Who's your number
2: one? To me, it's, it's yes. a very
1: clear answer. When you think about it, you're like, oh, yeah, it has to be.
2: Who's oh, your number boy. one? I'm a little nervous now, to be honest with you. Because uh, <laughs> I don't think I have who, who you have. I have Lassie as my number one. Oh. First of all, it's not a movie. Isn't it a TV show? Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, well, no, I think they made movies with Lassie. But like, it's, everyone knows the name. I mean, it spans,
1: you know, I don't it spans think so. cultures, I think
2: generations. I
1: think that's a reference that's lost out. Because I don't, i i've never even seen lassie and we're oh, well, yeah. middle-aged men and i've never even seen it it was black and white which we know the name but we don't actually remember the show i don't know how What's you remember did- one mickey mouse oh yeah right fuck that's the answer oh crap yeah once you think about it you're like yeah. oh it has to yeah it's mickey mouse Yeah, I mean it is. It just, it just is. But ironically, even though it's absolutely Mickey Mouse, you can't think of a single thing that like. There's not really a good movie that Mickey Mouse has done. I mean, You're like, oh yeah, that's obviously number one. But what's the movie that Mickey Mouse is
2: in? I mean, Fantasia's good, right? But that's about it. This is where I think we get interesting. What's in your honorable mention? So uh, Babe the Pig. Yeah, I agree. Uh Airbud.
1: I think that people that's one of those movies though I don't think anyone everybody knows of that movie. Nobody's actually seen it.
2: <laughs> Airbud?
1: Yeah, have you actually watched it?
2: Yeah, and some of the sequels. Airbud plays hockey, Airbud Saves the President.
1: Sorry, you no know is the answer that you would. you've never actually seen Airbud. I have
2: I have seen it. You've
1: watched Airbud, the whole movie.
2: Yeah, once again, because you wanna put our ages out there. The first Bud was released when we were, you know, it was right in our time to watch it late or early nineties, wasn't it? i don't have no idea. Uh I mean yeah. Who else you got? Uh The Birds from the movie The Birds. Okay. A little bit before our time, but alright. Uh The Spiders from Arachnophobia. Mm. I mean, you know, I feel like that's a movie where people are like, oh, oh, okay. yeah,
1: there's just too many spiders. There wasn't an individual
2: spider. There needed to be an individual. Too many, man. Um, I mean, the, the problem is, is like, oh, Flipper. Yeah. Flipper on
1: the list. But even Flipper is one that's before our time. We know the name. We never actually seen it. There a whole, how do you make a whole TV show about a dolphin? Can you imagine Maybe. being a writer in that show? Like, what are we
2: gonna do with the dolphin? How are we gonna work the <sighs> <I can't...
1: sighs> A
2: lot of drugs, I would I would think. What
1: are we gonna have the dolphin do? We'll swim
2: around? <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, what are you gonna do with that?
2: Um uh, I mean, it really I mean, Disney animals could be their own category. Yeah, really. they could run for a pretty while. I've got okay, how many more what other an- honorable mentions do you have? Any you more? you go ahead. I'm pretty much tapped out.
1: Um I had uh Toto,
2: Wizard of Oz. That's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. Paddington Bear. Okay, that's also a good one. Remy from Ratatouille. Okay, never seen it, but good. Does Chewbacca count? He's a Wookiee. I don't know if he's an actual animal and like a real animal. Well, hmm. That's the big question, right? Does
1: Chewbacca count as an animal? Because he is his own species. We may view him like an animal, but he is a species that would be along our equivalency. But we are also animals. I feel like if we count Chewbacca as an animal, then we also have to count ourselves. Thereby kind of erasing the whole point of this entire
2: thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? <laughs> Where to give us legitimacy?
1: Okay, that's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, subscribe. Leave us a rating or a review. It doesn't have to be some big thing. Just a quick thumbs up. I really like the show. John is great. Whatever. Really does help us out. And let us know what you think are some of the best movie animals. Even though, like, Mickey Mouse doesn't have a signature movie, for lack of a better phrase. I do think that he's number one, but there's a lot that you could make an argument for, so interesting to hear what you all have to say. Episodes go live every Wednesday, and then we put them up on YouTube on Thursday.
2: Seeking the truth never gets old.